For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We continue today with our expectations series, doing two more players uh, but more importantly than that, let's talk about our guest because we're really excited to have Rita. You know him for 105.7 or perhaps is at the NFL Chick on Twitter. Uh, but uh, Rita, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me back onto your podcast. Our, our pleasure by far. I mean, you, you, uh, I appreciate you making time and uh, congratulations on your success at 105.7. We're uh, happy to hear that show and it doing well. And uh, uh, we want to talk to you uh, about Marcus Peters and Tyler Huntley today. Absolutely. And hopefully we can have these conversations on the show pretty soon. <laughs> Love to. Love to. Anytime you, you, you'd like to have me, I'm, yes. uh, I'm available. Uh, let's talk Marcus Peters first. Um, he's uh, coming off a great year in 2019 when he was acquired. Uh, one of the great acquisitions of the DaCosta era at this point. Had a solid year in 2020 after the All-Pro season. Uh, lost 2021 to the ACL injury right before the season. He's now 29 years old. A little surprising to me that the Ravens actually didn't cut him. I actually thought when the injury occurred, he'd probably played his last game as a Raven, given that he had a $10 million salary and $15 million cap hit, but the $10 million of salary that was recoverable this year. I agree. Um, and I'm still a little you know, perplexed as to why they haven't made a move on it. But I think it's very important to say that Marcus Peters is a very important piece to this Ravens secondary. Um, I think that he brings uh, 
an aggressive um, style of play that's necessary. I think that Marlon Humphrey becomes a much better player when Marcus Peters is opposite of him. And I also think that he brings a certain type of swagger that, mm-hmm. um, you know, is missing when he's not on the field. He, you know, he's very brass, he's very outspoken and, you know, it reflects on his style of play, which I think is infectious amongst his teammates. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, you know, something isn't done. Obviously we know this is June, we're past June the 1st, so anything is possible, but I would not be surprised that that if they did cut him, that they would bring him back or Mm -hmm. if they just restructured his deal somewhere along the line. That'd be a, that'd be an easy way to do it if they wanted to, particularly if they want to add years. And that may be some of the holdup is they don't really know where he is in terms of the rehab. And if he if he's really ready to go, sure, they'd be happy to restructure and, and extend him. Um, but if but if not, then they, they have to keep their options open and maybe even wait till the end of training camp to, to make their decision. So, right. It's tough call. I agree. I mean, you know, you would like to hope that he's 100 percent by the time training camp gets here, because it would literally be pretty much a year from last training camp, you know, when he had his injury. Um, So you did mention he's 29 years old. He's not a spring chicken. (laughs) Might be a little, you know, slow getting there. But, you know, he's posted videos. He appears to be getting himself back in good shape. You can just only be optimistic that heading into training camp, he'll be ready to go. And I agree with you. A lot of what his contract deal is um, hindering probably comes from his health status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, he, what he is on the field is, is this is interesting in terms of having an injured player rehabbing. He'd be a pretty good bet to me to recover to be a good cornerback. And the reason is that so much of his game is cerebral and not really a, a function of his speed. He's, he's remains one of the best on-field gamblers in the game. He's done very well within the Martindale scheme in particular of knowing what's coming in terms of the pass rush, in terms of integrating into his decisions about gambling. In particular, the interception at Cincinnati, that pick six, uh, was a check at the line of scrimmage. He knew the blitz was coming, and he knew he could take a chance on the receiver getting behind him. He heard the out route. He 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 went for it, and he, and he took it to the house for six. It just incredibly impressive player and when you adjust his uh interceptions to the era he's right up there with ed reed as one of the greatest interceptors of all time he's second in fact to ed that's crazy right like you know marcus peters has been known as a gambler literally his whole career and in kansas city you know people have people thought that he was going to be a guy that was like a sink or swim type of player but i I feel like he swam more than he Mm -hmm. sunk in his career he's very instinctive um very smart football player um and i agree with you you know i think he just reads coverages very well and he knows where to be in certain positions obviously sometimes you're not going to get it right and you know it happens but Mm -hmm. i think more times than no i know more times than not marcus (laughs) peters has you know been successful in in figuring out what exactly the offense is bringing his way and for him to adjust from that it will be interesting to see now he has a new defensive coordinator how you know will this continue because we don't know how they're going to be up front are they going to continue to blitz like uh, 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 Wink did are they going to be more so of a you know four-man front type of rushing team uh, rushing defense and so how does that play into what it is they want the secondary to do I, I don't see it changing I think Marcus Peters is just a guy who he is who he is. 
And I don't think you can change much about that when it comes to him, which is a good thing, right? Because, you know, he is a good football player. But I, I, w- I can't wait to see how they incorporate his skill set into this new defense. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I can't wait either. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what changes there are from from McDonald, from Wink. Uh, and, and I'm not honestly, I'm, I'm not. I don't have any set expectations. I don't know if it's going to be big changes or, or relatively small ones. I don't think it'll be something like going to a 4-3 because I don't think they really have the personnel for it. I agree. But other than that, within a 3-4, I think they could do a lot of different things. I think we see lots of dime this year. I think, uh, you know, Martindale was pretty extreme about replacing inside linebackers, particularly relative to Pease. But uh, McDonald could be more extreme. I mean, the, the Ravens situation certainly calls for it in terms of getting their inside linebackers off the field and who's been the real weakness in coverage. Uh, I think the Ravens, uh, you know, could be back to having also a dominant offense, which if that occurs uh, would be really great for the defense in particular defense like this is, which is built back to front and could create a lot of turnovers. Right. And so, you know, look, if we're going to keep up with these zero blitzes, you want a guy like Marcus Peters that can be able to handle the guy that he's covering. Right. We know what happened last year. Right. We saw, you know, guys off the street were coming in and they were still running these um, blitzes. I think when now that you have more health, particularly on the back end, if you know, when Peters comes back, you're able to still do those things and be flexible um, and have success and covering your guys and doing so. So I'm excited to see that, like, you know, when they do blitz, you know, how the guys are in the sec- uh, in the secondary are handling the one on one matchups. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I certainly want to see a nice variety of scheme and more important i want to see scheme that's appropriate to the quarterback and is appropriate change of the circumstances within the game and yes wink was very very good at that don't let anybody tell you wink wasn't extremely good at adapting to the circumstances of the team he, he didn't always have the personnel to do it including last year when you know he had a bunch of you know grocery <laughs> baggers out at cornerback for for a lot of that year um, but but he did. He was very good at adapting uh, to, to what was going on during the game. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to is see the Ravens play some more zone defense this year, because Peters in particular on the back end of cover three uh, is an unbelievable presence. I mean, he's like a, the, the dark lord back there in terms of how a quarterback views that area of the field. Right. So he, he would, you know, I think this defense could be extremely successful with turnovers, particularly if they have the underneath guys who really understand what's going on between level two and three. And and so, I, look, I have no doubt that Peters is going to do his part in that regard. I think that, you know, he will definitely step up to it. He's capable of doing that. His skill set is is phenomenal in that regard. Um, but I am interested in seeing this as well, particularly when you look at the guys that they've added um, to the roster since um, free agency started. Peters really is the missing piece here, though. Um, you know, he he makes this secondary complete. And I don't think that we can't I can't stress that enough that him being at 100% um, makes all of this go. Anytime, you know, whether it's cover three, whether they're running, you know, um, a zone type of defense or whatever, he makes this go. He can't, you know, Marlon is as great as he is. We realize that, you know, he can't necessarily do it all by himself. So I think Peters takes a lot of pressure off of him um, as well as his, uh, his other teammates in the backfield. Yeah, I I, uh, I I agree thoroughly. And right now, they don't have another guy on the roster who I'm really comfortable with starting on opening day if Peters, for some reason, isn't there because of health. Same. I think 
<laughs> I think it would probably be Armour Davis would be the next up. I don't think it's Fuller. Uh, we could see. Uh, I was really surprised, frankly, to see the contract they gave Fuller. It seems like an overpayment for what happened last year where he had a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we'll see. Hopefully Fuller has a little something left on the tank, and and hopefully he's the fourth outside cornerback. Uh, and if that's the case, then it, it should be you know a little tiny little amount of rotational play, some relief play yeah. to make sure he stays a little bit sharp. But uh, hopefully we go through a year where there aren't a lot of injuries at cornerback. <laughs> please, if the football yeah. guards are listening, please, yeah. we would not like a, a 2021 repeat. Please have us healthy, particularly in yeah. the defense and the secondary. <laughs> there's, there's been some talk of Marcus Peters moving to safety at some point in his career. And, and I think there are, Things about that that make sense. He's got terrific ball skills, so so having him at safety might increase the area of effect on that uh, on that skill. But uh, it's something where um, I don't think he'll do it with the Ravens. Certainly, yeah. having a five year deal with Williams and another uh, you know five year deal effectively with Hamilton, uh, they're not looking for another guy for the back end. So I think he would do that with another team if he if he made that move. And that makes sense, right? We've seen a lot of cornerbacks some sometimes transition mm-hmm. to um, safeties. You know, Rod Woodson is mm-hmm. an example. So, you know, it, it's very likely that that happens. And I agree, it, it may not be with the Ravens. But I think that he still has something left in the tank from the cornerback position sure. um, if he can come back healthy. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to ride this whole thing out. You know, if the if the front office decides to restructure him, that's fine. Um, I, I think it's a huge loss if they find, if they think that they have to cut him. I don't think that they have anybody, I agree with you, that can really replace him if they cut him and they go, you know, he goes somewhere else. And week one, we're sitting, you know, with a guy that they just drafted in the mid rounds recently. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still excited to see how he rebounds from, you know, his injury in 2021. All right. All right. Well, let's get the, get on to some goals for him this year. And I've got a first goal here and we can kind of alternate on this, but I'll take the easy one. It's one word. It's health. He, he, he needs to have a, you know, a season where he's free of injury here. If he's going to get back to being the player or, or close to the player that he, that he was at, at his heights. <sighs> I apologize. Uh, my, my mom was texting me. Ask me that question again. No, no problem. So, so just <laughs> my first, my first goal for him is health. Uh, if if you have another goal, please go ahead. We can. Uh, no, I feel like health is the big is the biggest one, right? Like that's the one mm-hmm. that we are not certain of. Everything else, um, because it becomes a domino effect, right? Um, if he's not healthy, then his his play is affected, and you know, obviously, that can hurt the defense. I don't think you or myself or many people are concerned about his ability to play cornerback. We we know what he looks like. We've seen his, his resume. Yeah. His health is literally what we're concerned about. If he's not 100%, you know, how is that going to affect him? How is that going to affect this team, what this defense is trying to do with a new defensive coordinator? So I, I have zero concerns about his ball skills or his um, ability to play cornerback. I am specifically concerned about how healthy he'll be come week one. Okay. How about other goals? I have a list here, but if you have others that you want to talk about, you said you're not really concerned about anything. You might not be. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, and and his other goals is to just try to get back into what he did prior to his injury. Right. I mean, I think he had um, four interceptions, I believe, in 2020. And, 
you know, about 2019, he had somewhere around five or six. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get back to ball hawking, you know, that's a, that's a, a goal as well. I'm not saying that he has to get four interceptions. He At the end of the day, this secondary needs to bolster themselves from a turnover perspective at, uh, you know, across the board, Mm because it's not something that they really did last year. But I think that a big part of that is because Marcus Peters uh, was absent in that secondary. So I think the the goal for, for him should be to be able to continue to do what he does at a high level, but also allow his teammates to make the plays because he wasn't able to do that for them last year. And they struggled as a result. All right. That's great. I, I've what, got a few. What is your? I've got a few. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll roll through them pretty quickly. Okay. He needs to take back the left cornerback job full time. I don't want any debate over whether or not he's the right guy. And I don't think there will be any. If he's on the Ravens, I think he's the guy. But boy, it would really be bad if he came back and he'd lost a step. And all of a sudden there's questions about whether Fuller or him or Armour Davis should be in that role. Yeah. We can't have any of that. I agree. Build rapport with the safeties to take risk. This is important. So you got two free safeties on the back end this year. We have Hamilton and Marcus Williams, and they're going to have to integrate their play with Peters, particularly when they're when when it, when it's a quarters or a, a, a man system with a with a single high safety. Either either way, um, Peters is going to have to know and and trust those safeties to have his back when he wants to make a gamble. And I, I, that involves them, you know, maybe watching some film together, but just being on the field together and understanding where they are right. uh, at any given time. Uh, very I, cerebral. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think that that's a, ve- a very fair point. I mean, they have to be on the same page and you would like for him to be back by training camp, right? So they can start mm-hmm. building that relationship. Oh yeah. You don't want it to be something that happens when the season starts. Well, yeah, because now you're about, you're going to be a few weeks behind in that regard. Um, and it's, Yes, it, it's nice to talk about things, and that's great. But I, I think we can all agree it's completely different to actually go out and and do those things. So I agree with you. I, I think that's extremely important, which makes him coming back from an injury even more important because this is a new set of safeties. We and we also don't know where Chuck Clark goes if he's going to continue to be on this roster from from you know when the season starts. So these are new guys that he has to build a relationship with. It's very important. Yeah. Good, po- good point, Ken. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I hope Clark will still be there. I really love Clark. I think he should still have the green dot, but we'll see. Um, the next thing in terms of Peters is um, man coverage is is the place where he's had the most difficulty over the years. He's a guy who likes to stay back, look into the backfield, read the quarterback. That's a big part of his game. But there's going to be times when he has to press, and he needs to he needs to be able to cover in man to some reasonable degree. Uh, and not be a, a guy who, who who they can't trust. There's a lot of good receivers in the division, and obviously that's a, that's a problem if he if he can't cover in man. They will ask him to do that less, I believe. I believe they're going to be more of a zone team. But even so, there will be times when he has to do it, and he has to be good at it. I agree. Um, you know, it, like you said, this division has really good receivers. And then you add, you know, you've seen rosters like Cleveland add guys um, for for their receiving core. So he does have to find a way to press. I, I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't think that that's something that they're going to ask him to do regularly um, because that is not his strength. And sometimes you just look, sometimes you just got to wash your hands with it. Doesn't mean that you don't do it at all. You still need to figure out how to do it when they ask you to do it. But um, I, I don't think that that's something that they'll ask him to do much either. He still needs to <laughs> bolster it up a little bit, though. 
All right. Very, very good. Um, we talked about the fear, so I'm not going to talk about that again. Uh, I'll give you one other. And, you know, I've been watching the 2000 Ravens games again, having some fun doing that. One of the things you really notice is that Dwayne Starks and Chris McAllister almost never stick their head in on a run play. This Ravens set of corners with the injury problems they've had over the last couple of years. And, you know, as great as the secondary is right now, it's really great at safety and it's and it's fragile at corner in terms of not having much depth. So they need to be careful with their corners. And I'd like to see them be intentionally less physical this year. Peters is probably the most important player. Humphrey, very physical player, has generally held up well to contact. Um, but but I want less risks with him, too. And, and the funny thing is, I, I understood it in 2000 when it was Dwayne Starks, and he's clearly being told, don't don't stick your head in there. You're too small for this league. But but Chris McAllister was thought of as one of the best run defending corners of his day. And uh, and they were asking him not to get get close to the pile. So Marvin Lewis, I think, was really on to something with that. And I hope that that uh, McDonald and and the, probably Harbaugh has to approve this, too, need to uh, say, yeah, that's the way we'd like to play football this year. And I think a lot of that is predicated about how the front seven, you know, responds to run plays as well. You can't, you know, you can, it's really kind of disrespectful when you start getting to the third level and you got to stop guys at this point, because what's the other seven guys doing? You get pushed around up there. I really am not interested in seeing my cornerbacks having to, you know, tackle, you know, a Najee Harris or, you know, a Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. Chubb. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in seeing that at all. I, I, you know, the guys up in front of them, literally that's what you're supposed to be doing. And if it, if it comes to that, then that, that is a problem. And it puts them in a position where, you know, they could potentially get injured. Their job is to cover cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they're supposed to be doing. And that's why the guys in front of them are supposed to stop them. From, I mean, to keep them from what they're, to keep them to what they're doing and they're got to do their job up front. So, you know, I agree with that. So it's, I, the one area where I kind of like the the cornerback getting in there is when he thinks he sees a good second man to the ball opportunity to get a forced fumble. Yes, and which and, is Marlon's thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, sure, it's it's Marlon's things, and I think Peters also being the having the gambling instincts also has some ability with that. Although I couldn't tell you right now. Well, I could tell you if I just looked how many career forced fumbles he's had. Nine. Oh, nine. Okay. <laughs> I would That's look impressive. up. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. so he, had, he had four in 2020 when he last played. I kind of forgotten that. Um, but that's a that's a lot of force fumbles. So I'm I'm sticking with my second man of the ball contents. That, that <laughs> I don't want him sticking his head in, but I do like taking a chance on some turnovers. Uh, this is the part where we've typically gone to good and great. Yeah. So I I've got I'll do a good year, and why don't you do a great year? Let's do it that way. So a good year to me, he returns healthy somewhere early in the season. And I'm going to say by week four, and that could include some ramped up play to be playing full time in week four. Um, But he still has the ability to read QBs effectively, and he can do enough in man coverage to be above average overall. That's a good season for me for um, Marcus Peters. And I'm not saying anything about interceptions or, um, you know, rolling up some of the counting statistics that he could have just Back by week four, still can read the QB, effective enough in man to be above average overall. Yeah, for me, a good year would be, you know, having good health and continuous health during mm-hmm. that season. Whenever he comes back, whenever he's available to come back for him to 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 not sustain any more injuries as a result um, of his, uh, you know, 
from 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 last year. You want to just make sure that he's able to maintain his health. That to me would be a good year, a great year, which I don't know if this is, you know, how can we put expectations on somebody coming back from an injury that they literally missed the entire season? But a great year would be if he was in 2019 form. And I know that's <laughs> a, I know that's a lot. I know. I know I'm asking for a lot. I'm just saying what I consider a great year. I, I'm literally just looking for the good year again, because yeah. I think that that's important. His health being important because if he's healthy, he's able to, to be a factor on the field. And that's good enough for me. But a great year means that he helps this defense who struggled with turnovers, get back into form what they were used to doing prior to him being out. That would be a great year for me. That that would do it. Absolutely. And and I agree with your great year. It'd certainly be a great year. I, I was just one notch down. I said he has to his return to form has to be somewhere between 19 and 20. And he was very That's good fair. both years, but but he was better in 19 and, and an all pro. I think if if he does that, if he's somewhere between 19 and 20, he's back in the Pro Bowl. He's on the fringe of the all pro nod. So we'll see if 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 he would get that. But uh, I would be super excited for that. I'll throw in one more in the great. The Ravens decide sometime in 2022 that they want to extend him. I would love that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, if, if if everything is going well and his health is going well and he's playing good at a high level, extend him. You know, and you worry and you worry about it later. You worry about the, the future later. Um, but for now, I think, you know, if he's able to come back and immediately have an impact to this defense, it's worth it's all worth it. Mm hmm. All right. All right. Well, that was fun. Let's move on and talk about Tyler Huntley a little yes. bit. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll just roll through quickly where he where he is right now in some ways. He played briefly as a rookie, including in that playoff loss to the Bills, where after Jackson went down, uh, the Ravens were one and three in his 2021 starts, two and five in games in which he played. Uh, his starts included the win by three at Chicago, which is definitely the high point of the year, and then losses by one, one, and three points. So yes. it wasn't like Tyler Huntley was not keeping the Ravens competitive in those games where the Ravens weren't competitive with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. Let's put it that way. Right. I agree. I mean, I, I think Tyler Huntley is a very good backup. Um, a lot of people, you, you, you were happy to get this for him to get this opportunity because the Ravens had um, released uh, Robert Griffin, the third and decided to move forward with Tyler Huntley being their backup quarterback. And so you, you know, while you were optimistic because Huntley has a lot of the same characteristics in his game as Lamar, um, you weren't really sure what you're getting with, you know, RG3. You knew what you were getting, right? Because because we sure. know his resume. So to see him be competitive when he was able to come into the games was really great. And um, I think, you know, I don't know how long Tyler Huntley lasts on this team. It's not like the end of the, you know, college football is reigning of quarterbacks. You, you're, there are guys that Tyler Huntley is probably already better than that were drafted in, you know, this past year's draft. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how long he, he lasts on this roster, but I think that him continuously backing up Lamar allows him to grow as a passer and grow as a quarterback. So whether it's here and he stays here, whether he gets an opportunity to start somewhere else in the future, um, being here, I think, and being behind Lamar who has similar capabilities as he does has, yeah. is able to help him grow his game. 
lots to unpack there and lots of good stuff, but he's definitely at a crossroads entering year three, as you're kind of indicating. He's not on the bubble this year because there's really no quarterback behind him pressing right. him for that backup job. I don't see the Ravens going outside the system to find somebody for that role. They might, if, if, if um, uh, Jackson went down during the season, they might have to go outside the organization, get somebody, and then that new person might jump ahead of Huntley. That's possible. But, uh, but in terms of uh, you know, what you want from him, he needs to play and practice well so that the Ravens are not tempted to reset the clock in 2023 because there will be quarterbacks. There will be yeah. probably go for similar characteristics again in terms of a, a guy who's a run and throw quarterback. And if they do that, then they're, they you know, can reset the clock to one year of, of uh, you know, a rookie, a, a first year of a four-year rookie deal instead of uh, having to extend a player at, at more expense as they might with Huntley. Yeah, I think for him, the key for him is he has to not regress, right? Um, I think that it's fair to say that um, Huntley, um, while you know he has his limitations, he's a backup, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's you're going to expect that. However, I think we all realize that this offensive line was not a hundred percent, and yeah. he had to play. You know that maybe that's putting it lightly, yeah. and he had to play with you know behind that line, and and so. With that challenge, um, he, you know, did what he could, obviously, at the end of this. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to address that. I'm sorry yeah, for, for put, putting my finger up for the universal no, 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 there, but, but the, the, the play of tackle really gave him a lot of trouble. And Villanueva, in particular, gave up a lot of pressures. Um, they were two and a half to three second pressures in a lot of cases. Um, Lamar takes a bump from the left side, like nobody else. He has pocket awareness that allows him to say, oh, I got bumped. I'll just move to the right, right. and throw the ball. Uh, Huntley, extremely bothered. Eyes go all over the place, loses his eyes downfield frequently when he gets bumped, which has led to a high sack rate, that 8.7% sack rate last year. It meant also that Roman had to scheme pocket awareness for him, which means the ball had to come out more quickly, extremely limiting for the Ravens receivers, particularly Brown, who was very frustrated by it. A lot of five-yard passes to him towards the end of the year, um, many fewer deep balls. So it's often been said that Lamar constrains your offense because he likes to throw to the middle of the field. But as Lamar is not really creating a constraint there because he still has the extended play, which is very dangerous with the ball in his hands. With Huntley, extended plays are very dangerous to the Ravens. And that you saying that probably, you know, well, it, it does. It contributes to the fact that at the end of the season, what they went like nine, eight or at least eight quarters without an offensive touchdown. Right. Um, because teams realize, OK, well, the left side is weak. So what we're going to do is we're going to attack. the. I mean, this, this left side in particular. So, you know, he he gets the ball. He's razzled. He, he's frazzled. He's trying to get the ball out. He's trying to make plays. And. You know, I agree with you. I do feel like Greg Roman did a good job of of implementing shorter passes, so then that way he could get the ball out quicker. The issue started to come when he was able, when he was getting passes downfield. One pass that I, I, I think of, which is so ill advised, and and whether you think it's Roman calling it or him doing it, it doesn't matter. It bothers me. Is in the Rams game. It's like right before halftime, and they they try to throw the ball downfield and um, he throws an interception. It's, it's poorly thrown. I don't know if the, it, some has argued that the receiver wasn't sure. It just, it just was all out of whack. And, you know, it said a lot about his game. And so 
the regression, me, me acknowledging that he not regress is, is, is a big deal because obviously if you go backwards, well, you were a good backup, but imagine if he goes backwards now you, and you mentioned earlier, if someone comes in and competes with him at that level, then it becomes problematic and you have to, it feels like you have to start all over again. So, you know, if he can build from what he did last year, and obviously this is a better offensive line that they have. Well, we, we think will be a better offensive line coming into the season. Yeah. Um, that helps him grow some, but yeah, he, he had some limitations that were really put on display last year. And I think that, you know, so it's, it's always funny to me how people really started having this Tyler Huntley talk. Um, because as we all know, the backup quarterback is, is the fan favorite in every town. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. That was mid-year. They were talking, Lamar yes. had the slump and they were talking about, Hey, maybe it's time to roll with Tyler Huntley. Yes. And that and, Chicago and, win was mixed in there. And yes. Yeah. Which, which was very hard to watch up until the mm-hmm. end of the game. People yeah. forget that part. Yeah. That's uh yeah, the, the, the interception against LA, I remember that in, in terms of uh, that led to a touchdown right after. Yes. The Ravens still scored a field goal in the half, but then they end up losing the game by one yep. point, and that, yep. that was a lot of it. Uh, talking about a few other things from this last year, I mean, I, I do think that um, while Villanueva was exceptionally bad in terms of losing his balance and getting backed up, Stanley also is a left tackle who, while excellent and, and really outstanding with Lamar, gives ground in the pocket to maintain his mirror. And that's intentional in his case. He's, he, 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 he's, he's comfortable doing that because Lamar takes a bump very well and moves to the right, keeps his eyes downfield, scrambles when necessary. He does all the things that help out his tackles a, as they play. Um, it, there are some similarities in play style between Villanueva and Stanley, hopefully not in play quality. Hopefully, you know, Stanley we see, you know, is at a totally different level. I mean, but to be ter- fair, like Villanueva is, was literally at the end of his career, right? Yeah. He's had some success previously. And I think that that's fair to to acknowledge. So I would assume that you're speaking of the, the better times of Villanueva. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, we, we're we're talking about Villanueva as a raven, unfortunately. So we're oh, talking about okay. the bad times. All right. so. well. <laughs> but anyway, Villanueva. <laughs> Villanueva's playing his natural position. I mean, at the end, I, I can't I can't make a lot of excuses for what happened last year. The, the Pittsburgh fans say, you know, we told you he wasn't any good. Yep. And, you know, we're like, uh, well, you know, he seemed to be grading okay still, and we didn't have a left tackle, so we made the move and didn't have a backup. And yep. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. And, and you know, Villanueva's retired. He made it easy for the Ravens, you know, not to have to say, well, you're done, but uh, it's a uh, – um, I, I think a, a best that, that they moved on. I'm kind of excited about uh, Daniel Falalele and, and what he might bring to the team. How, how do you feel about him? I like him. Is that is that the, the 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 one that probably might need to lose about thirty pounds? I, I'm he's he's the heaviest man ever to yes. play in the NFL, okay. but he's also one That's of the tallest. I, so. I loved his tape though. Like it's fun to watch him play, and so you know, it, I, I love the I love his style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see, are they ever going to try to have him and, uh, and like uh, Ben Cleveland on the line at the Probably. same time, like some type of unbalanced line thing. That would be fun to see. But, you know, you would like to think that this, this offensive line has been, you know, upgraded from last year. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. 
predicated on, you know, Stanley's return, but even if, even not, right. Like the things that they've done in free, um, in the drafts, I feel like were good things. And so you'd like to see Huntley benefit from those moves, um, you know, hopefully having more time to be able to scan the field if, if he's, you know, has to play for whatever reason, uh, more time, you know, to to make this better decisions and, and to get the ball to his guys. That doesn't have to be five yards. Um, so hopefully he grows up a little bit because now he has better guys in front of him that are able to block for him. All right. 76.6 passer rating last year uh, uh he did do some good things running the ball 6.3 yards per carry 8.1 per scramble nice to have a quarterback who can get you first down every once in a while Huntley did that uh let's talk goals for 2022 do you want to start I took your health one last year no 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 that's fine if, uh, first the, the goals that he has to he has to learn to play with this new set of wide receivers right this is a a new group of guys. Um, you, you, Bateman is now your number one. Hollywood is gone. Well, Mr. Brown is gone. Um, now you're working with the likes of DuVernay and Prochet and Wallace. And yeah, uh, this is a growing situation for everybody involved. Um, but that includes Huntley, because like you said, he's only entering his third year and these guys are still all young players. So he has to learn to have a rapport with these guys, because as of now, it appears that these guys are the future. Um, that should be his goal. His second goal should have, should be, and I hope, it, you know, in the off season is to just, you know, learn how to, um, Find ways to extend plays. I understand that, you know, that the Ravens pressure, they were pressured, I believe, the most out of any team, especially going down the stretch because, you know, everybody knew that their offensive line wasn't good. Um, but what do you do to mitigate that? And I hope that Huntley has learned or or at least, you know, try to figure out this offseason what he has to do to extend plays so that he can get the ball downfield to his guys um, that are available. And then lastly, his goal should just be to continue to get to, to continue to, you know, work with Lamar and, and, and work on, you know, his footing to try to get better. Um, as a quarterback, because again, I don't know how long Huntley lasts in this organization. I think that there are people that view him as a potential starter, you know, with the right pieces and, and mm -hmm. the right coaching. So he has to increase his stock value or increase his value um, mm -hmm. in that regard. And, and the only way he can do that is, is to put the work in, particularly in the offseason. Yeah, those are all good points. And positional coaching for Huntley, if he could do what Lamar has done in terms of taking on a QB guru of his own or maybe even working with Lamar's guy. Yeah. Uh, that would be, I, I would love to see that. In fact, I, I've spoken often on the show and and maybe I'm being too unfair with players who you know, need an off season of their own to go fishing and you know travel and gamble and do whatever they want to do during, during, the, during the off season. I, I respect it all in terms of a you know legitimate expenditure of your time off. But when you're in the NFL, and if you really want to excel and get to the next level, I mean, Lamar Jackson should be your North Star. He is the guy who has figured it out in terms of improvement year after year. Yep. And he's done it with position-specific coaching. And the fact that that he uh, missed OTAs, you know, I, I take absolute, I have absolutely no concern on that on a the personal same. level. Absolutely none. Because, because he's proven his his commitment to learning the game in the offseason. I do have a mild amount of concern in terms of 
um, how other players might view it. But I think there are enough enough players who are there um, who would say, okay, Lamar can take a take a chance, and they will even parrot this. You know, Lamar can take some time off. He really improved his game during the offseason. You need to do the same. I agree. And Huntley wouldn't, it would be nice. We've seen Lamar um, in off seasons work with his wide receivers, right? We Mm -hmm. saw Lamar working with Rashad Bateman just, you know, not too long ago. Would be nice if Huntley also comes and and, and works with them as well, because at some, you know, you never know. In 2019, Lamar literally was taking quarters off. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if they are going back to a similar scheme, because now we know that they have these tight ends that they are excited about, and they typically go back to this two tight end set um, that they did in 2019, and they're scoring the way that they did, well, guess who's going to be coming in the game? It's going to be you, Tyler. So you have to get, you know, you have to get the ball rolling with these guys as well. So it would be nice of him to try to, you know, get a rapport with them because if they start running up the score on people again, guess what? You're you're going to be in this game it was it was rg3 a couple years ago now it's your turn to take over yeah great point and and i think he he'll he'll definitely get some time in this coming year i'll go through my goals real quickly he wins the backup qb role and there's no apparent competition as we mentioned um he's effective managing games if he's called upon now we hope that never happens it it will probably Mm -hmm. happen in relief as you mentioned right but if he's called upon to start a game um, there's no shame, particularly for him, in being a game manager, a guy who can let the defense win a game for you, make sure you reduce turnovers to nothing. If he, if he ends up being Trent Dilfer, even though he's nothing like Trent Dilfer, uh, <laughs> in terms of, of making sure the Ravens offense stays at 75% the efficiency it can be with Lamar, but also with no turnovers, then that's fantastic. That would be a big win. Um, I want him to work better with a healthier offensive line. I, it couldn't be worse than it was last year. It just, it just couldn't be. And the Ravens have made hopefully significant improvements. If I'm, by the way, if I'm talking about the offensive line right now, and I want to put like a grade on the importance of each of these things, I'd say whether or not Daniel Folele can provide some value is about a two. Whether or not Tyre Linderbaum can play center at the level he was drafted at is about a six. And whether or not Ronnie Stanley can return to anything like he was before is a 10. Might yeah. be an 11. But it's just it's just it's the central factor. If if he's not there, everything has to change about how this offensive line plays and how this offense has to work. So uh, hopefully Ronnie is back and and he's the the player we remember and uh, resumes his uh, his apparent path to the Ravens ring of honor that uh, that I expect him to have. I agree. I, I, you know, and, I, and it's extremely important to what it is that they want to do um, coming up this year. So uh, please, Ronnie, be healthy. <laughs> Ronnie and Marcus, please. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's talk about a good and a great year. Do you want to do a good one to start off? Good year um, would be, and I think we've already acknowledged this, but for him to um, create a rapport with his guys and and to know what it is that they want to do in certain passing uh, situations. Um, I already mentioned his offensive struggles late in the season. Um, And so I think that it's important to work on, well, what could I have done better um, to, you know, win the football game close yeah yes it's close but no cigar you know a a good year would be him reviewing his film and seeing what needed to be worked on and and trying to elevate that and to make it better but he the biggest part in in doing that is understanding where his guys are going to be um, when certain plays are called or or if the play breaks down 
you know, knowing where his guys are going to be to help bail him out of those situations. That would be a good year for me. So what would be a good a good year for you? Because I'll tell uh, you what would be great for me. But <laughs> OK, I'll say my, my good is that he plays well in the preseason. Yeah, he cements his backup role. Uh, he's healthy and in uh, sorry and not does not play. He's active, but does not play for most most games. And he plays uh, sparingly in relief when the Ravens have a big lead. And and hopefully unsparingly in relief when the Ravens have a big lead because we want lots of them. But exactly. that would be a good a good year. Basically never gets a start, but but and Jackson is healthy. I agree. Um, you know, look, he, he did what he had to do in the interim. Um, but I I think it's clear here that he is a, a viable backup player mm-hmm. um, and not yet ready to be a starter in this league. Um, for me, when it comes to what I consider to be great, um, would be if if there's a situation um, where Jackson is hurt, knock on wood, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that this never happens. But if it happens that the the same games that he that he lost by one and three points, um, he's able to win those games. Mm-hmm. I know that at times coaching might not have been, you know, uh, in, in his favor in that regard. Some people would argue. Um, my thing is, is that, you know, the coaching staff had asked these guys, do you want to go for it? And they, they believed that they were good enough to go for it. This, what I would like to see is the growth from him. So when, if he's in those positions, he can make the plays to actually win those games against Green Bay or win those games against Pittsburgh when they have to win those games while Lamar is out. Because if you think about it, Ken, if they win two of those games, they're probably tied for first place um, in the AFC North um, and and in contention for a playoff run, whether it's the division or a wild card. So he has to find a way to finish games and not get cold. Because offensively, he got cold. Yeah, they were moving the ball fine. But when it came to actually scoring touchdowns, they got super cold. So he has to find a way to finish drives and score touchdowns and not field goals. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. That certainly would would constitute, I think, a great year. Wouldn't be great for the Ravens if he gets a lot of those points. <laughs> my, my, my great does not involve him ever having to play in a game. But, I, but here's what I'd say. His pocket awareness improves. And he becomes a better improviser slash play extender whenever he's on the field. And that the combination of his practice, some limited play and relief, and rapport with some receivers uh, makes him an extension candidate after year three. I think that would be very good. Huntley probably is going to realize who he is this year. Yeah. And if he sits on the bench another year, he's going to realize my career is as a backup. And I'd rather have it be a, a seven or eight year career than a four year career plus one field year in another organization. Uh, and, and maybe he gets another chance, some other organization after that. But he's I don't there. It's not obvious that, to me that there's a better fit than the Ravens out here for him as a backup. I agree. So just based on the fact that, you know, who he backs up and and, and how similar, similar they, they are in skill set with him and Lamar. I don't know where else he goes. Maybe Atlanta, because Marcus Mariota is going to start. But we, I, I think we can all agree that that's literally just a, 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 a transitional thing until they find their quarterback of the future. I like um, Tyler Huntley. I'm also adamant in believing that Tyler Huntley is a backup. That is my opinion. I think that sometimes other organizations get overzealous and probably desperate because the quarterback position is so hard 
to scout at times and so hard to get. So someone going out and trying to get a Tyler Huntley to me isn't, to me, it's not crazy if, if someone attempts to do that. But ultimately, I agree with you. I don't, I think he's best suited here in a backup role. I think that that's where he would thrive at as opposed to being a starter somewhere else. Okay. Outstanding. Just so much fun to talk football with you, Rita. I'm glad we had the chance to do these players and uh, a couple, a couple of players, obviously you're very passionate about, and it's great to hear you uh, talk this way. We have different guests on the show and I really love that. We have some very cerebral guests. We have some very high passion people. I think you and Sarah, I would put both in that category, uh, you know, although I don't want to, Put down anybody's analytic <laughs> skills. I just, I just want to point out your passion is a higher level than most of the people that that, that we bring on this show. Tell the guys uh, they got to step it up. The girls they, is out here being passionate. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Well, we do, we do love to hear it. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Uh, of course, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the NFL Chick, and I am on one hundred five seven on Sundays from one to four with Glenn Clark, as well as. Tuesdays from 7 to 10 with Jerry Coleman. You can always call in 410-583-1057 and we can talk, we can chop it up and talk some football. Do you guys take a fair number of calls now on those shows or, or is it mostly guests? We, we, it's mostly guests, but you know, sometimes, you know, we, we get, we, we feel frisky. And we'll go to the phone lines. <laughs> Have <laughs> so your finger do, ready. <laughs> yeah, we, we do it mainly more on Jerry's show um, than we do on the Sunday show. So. Yeah. Uh, very good. Other folks out there, if you're if you're listening to this and you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'd love to hear from you. And I always get back to you very quickly. Uh, looking for topics that we are narrow enough that we can talk about in about 25 to 30 minutes uh, in some significant depth. So narrow topic is always good for a good for a show. If you want to talk about restructuring the way the Ravens you know, evaluate personnel and handle the draft and handle the cap and all that, we're going to need multiple shows for that. So uh, <laughs> anyway, love to hear from you. Rita, thanks again. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.